0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We start off a new series here on the podcast and crossover editions to introduce you to some of the other programs in the Big 12. And why not start with one that BYU doesn't play this year, but they have a familiarity with all the same. Let's talk Baylor football.
2: You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider, joined by Drake Toll from Locked On Baylor, an old friend of the podcast. We've had him on a few times before. Drake, what is up?
2: Oh, Jake, man. I, I know your listeners remember me because I was gawking over BYU for an entire week uh-huh. uh, in, in September of last year. So, man, I, I that, that week put BYU a special place in my heart. So I'm almost glad that we're not playing you guys so I don't have to root against you.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, coming up. Just a quick reminder that we are very proud, both of us, locked on Baylor and locked on BYU, locked on Cougars, I should say. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And thank you to all of you for being every dayers with us here on the podcast. Cannot thank you guys enough for your support of both of these ventures uh, when it comes to covering the Bears and the Cougars. But Drake, you mentioned the fact that you you you, you don't want to be playing BYU this year because you want to root for them. But I want to start off, and it's something you and I talked about offline before we start push record on this why in the world is Baylor and BYU not one of these rivalries that I think will exist in the Big 12 that is not going to be an annual deal
2: yeah that's one of the weird things to me this this is a a marketing a hotbed you you could put together the two main religious schools of this conference and have them play year in and year out and it become one of the friendliest rivalries in college sports you saw the way well what's so weird to me jake is it was obvious the way these two fan bases interacted with each other when baylor came to provo and when byu came and played in waco there were two really great crowds both the games were were great atmospheres as well. And there was this added little oomph because, look, these two squads have not played in 30 years, but it still felt so natural. Two really religious schools that have a lot of similar values and the rivalries right there in front of you and the Big 12, the marketing genius that is Brett Yormark, they balk at it. They, they don't go with it. They don't put these two teams together. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me when two of the bigger brands in religion in college sports are in the same conference and you've got the opportunity to, to put them together and you don't uh, make it make sense to me because this seems like a perfect marriage of two very similar programs that that Brett, your mark, the big 12 didn't go with it, And I hate That's the guy like, look, it makes no sense to me why Baylor needs to play Cincinnati and UCF mm-hmm. and not BYU. What gives those two teams? What makes their what builds luster over those matchups that
1: BYU is missing? I, I, I'm not with it. Well, the only thought that I have on this, and we talked about this actually on my radio show at the KSL Sports Zone on Monday, Uh, we talked about this, Drake, is with a 14-team league for the one year here, uh, there is some thought that maybe this is just kind of a one-off in a way with the scheduling, how it's going to stand this year. You mentioned the fact that Baylor gets two of the newcomers. BYU only gets one fellow newcomer in Cincinnati, but BYU is the only newcomer who is getting both Texas and Oklahoma. So there's some interesting dynamics at play here. I guess uh, add your thought to this. My thought is that maybe – after for this kind of one-off of this year in 2023 when they finally revert back to what will be the 12 teams that will be in the Big 12 moving forward, I think that that may actually end up where they could establish some of those quote-unquote protected rivalries, and that may be where you see Baylor and BYU re-enter the mix. It, it could, and that is, in my view, an, an optimist mindset.
2: I, I hope that's the case moving forward but at the same time, the Big 12 could have made a very firm statement from the get-go. Hey, Baylor and BYU are going to play each other. It would have been the third year in a row that you get this matchup, and I don't think they shied away from it because the two teams had already played. I'm not sure that that was even a factor going into this. Was oh, oh, well, you know, they they played each other, so we'll give them we'll give them a break. No, the matchups went so well; they split the series. The games were electric. One was a homecoming for Baylor. The other was one of the best crowds at BYU got at home last season against a top 10 Baylor team and a huge win in a in a rather disappointing season for both squads eventually and now again you can make a statement as the Big 12 this is a matchup that we really like that we want to use year one moving forward could it be a protected rivalry moving after this season I do I think so obviously that the answer is yes it could be but it, it worries me that they didn't do it immediately. They didn't show this is a priority, a priority matchup for the Big 12. That makes me leery, especially giving BYU, Oklahoma, and Texas mm-hmm. instead of Baylor. Um, I, I saw the I, the Texas one makes sense. I saw that coming. But the Oklahoma one, you had a, a great shot to just throw Baylor right there and, sure. and make this matchup something that in year one of BYU's tenure in the Big
1: 12 Fans have to look forward to. And instead, we don't get that. Well, our compatriot, John Williams, obviously does locked on Sooners. He and I have gone back and forth. He was dying. He, he said if there's one game you could have given him is, is the trap chance to come to Provo with Oklahoma the one time and they obviously got that this year but I'm with you I it it would have been really nice to see the Big 12 say you know what we are going to establish some of what we expect to be I guess these standalone games in a way and Baylor BYU absolutely is one of those that I think very easily in a very short time could become a fantastic rivalry that this this conference and you you know this as well as I do Drake this conference is going to have a lot of I guess a, a lot of different new uh rivalries emerging in the first four or five years here. And it would have been nice to see the big 12, as you mentioned, make it a priority with BYU and Baylor already kind of starting. theirs even before these two programs were in the same conference. Yeah, isn't that interesting that you've got the
2: these two teams almost saying, "Hey, look, especially with BYU coming to the conference, we're gonna we're gonna make this work." The universities have made it clear that they want to play each other. They're not shying away from this rivalry. You know, you talk about Texas and Texas A and M, who have tried to avoid each other, and there are programs across the country. BYU and Utah. You know, Utah is scared of what BYU offers. I'll put it that way. You didn't say it; I did. You said and- it. <laughs> I said it. And I I, Baylor was very clear. We're not scared of BYU. We wanna play BYU. BYU was very clear. We're not scared of Baylor. We want to play Baylor. This in the offseason, Kalani Satake talked about the Baylor matchup a bunch, how that was a game changer in 2021 to get BYU ready for 2022 and the eventual Big 12, where BYU got whooped at the line in Waco. They made up for that and beat Baylor at home in Provo in September. In again, what I think was the best atmosphere that I have seen all time in college football, every game I've been to. And I went to the TCU Georgia National Championship. Still doesn't beat Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Two universities, two coaches, two programs have made it very clear this is a great spot for a great rivalry in college football. And the conference said, no, not this year. Maybe long-term it could be there. But again, I'm just – I am hoping, like John is – that Baylor gets BYU year in and year out because both of these programs want it. They have shown this is not going to be an issue. Nobody's going to complain. Let's make this a thing. And Jake, I really hope long-term that the Big
1: 12 is is open to that. Uh, absolutely, I, I do want to talk to you about a couple other things with regards to the Big 12 and kind of the vision that Brett Yormark has got. I'm going to t- lob those at you here momentarily. But first, you need to get a word in on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, I want to encourage you guys to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, which are ongoing right now. Because right now, new customers can get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The best part about this, Drake, you know this as well as I do. There's great promotions every day with our friends at FanDuel. It's a safe and secure app, and the best best part I like about this, and this is just me. You don't have to res- hit a reserve to get paid out. You get paid out instantly. You, that money, you want to get that money, it comes right to your account, and you get to get, get, enjoy that right away. So there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action right now than America's number one sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today and get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on once again to get started today. That's FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars and Locked On Baylor your first listen of the day, everybody. Uh, Drake, coming up on my show for Locked On Cougars tomorrow, I'm going to answer some questions. We've had some transfer portal movement for BYU. It actually is continuing on. uh, We're tracking a bunch of this. We've had 14 additions to BYU's roster. What's come up on your Wednesday edition of the podcast?
2: Hey, uh, our Wednesday edition of the podcast is this. (laughs) All right. Actually, yeah, we had uh, blessed to have Coach Glenn Moore, the Baylor softball program on Yesterday. And so uh catching you guys, my guys at least are seeing this thing on Wednesday. Um, so tomorrow, Thursday's podcast, Baylor at seven and a half, over under seven and a half wins in the uh, in the preseason. And I I I don't know, Jake, it's one of the tougher ones in the Big Twelve. Those have been released now on on who's gonna win how many. And I, I'm a little worried about the Bears getting a seven and a half, even with a eight-game home schedule next season. So all of that on tomorrow's show for us.
1: Now, so with regards to that, you mentioned the fact that the over/under at seven, BYU sitting at six. Uh, I've kind of said on my podcast that I've kind of set the benchmark for BYU in success year one in the Big 12. Just make a bowl game. You get to six and six yeah. in a bowl game year one. I think that would uh, constitute a pretty good season overall for BYU in their first foray into Power 5 football. I, I guess from your outsider perspective, is that the right mentality to have if you're a Cougar fan?
2: Oh, I think so, Jake. The, as many wins as you can get and if you hit that six mark, that's where you, where you want to be. Uh, you've got to be BYU program that has had national success. It has the national brand, even the last five years uh, and, and look what and Jeff rhymes, you know, he was a catalyst for helping BYU's offense become one of the most electric in the country. And I don't know if there was a, a university that did the COVID season better than BYU. Cause they shocked a lot of people. They took a quarterback that is now struggling in the NFL and made him look like a top five pick uh, and, and utilized a really tough year to make a really good football season when most programs couldn't come close to that. So BYU, not just the story program, you've got it recently. So if you can flip that into a bowl season next year, I think it's a huge win. And and Jake, here's the deal. Schools like Baylor, schools like Texas Tech, uh, and, and obviously, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, Oklahoma State—they're trying for the same thing right now. There are a good six or seven schools that are kind of in the mix of. Oof, this is a tough year with a new conference. If we can get to that six-win mark, we at least feel good moving forward in the Big 12 without Texas and OU. Like we can, we can swim. And I know that's a big thing for BYU moving into a league that is Power Five, and you get week in and week out really big tough matchups in tough environments. Jake, from a BYU perspective, how much of a hindrance do you think last season's struggles are to a team that's now trying to assimilate in a in a pretty good football league? Uh, I, I'm
1: actually going to say that last season's struggles actually gave BYU new life in a way. And the reason I say that is because their defensive issues, especially in the month of October, they got absolutely trounced by the likes of Arkansas, who they will face again this season in a rematch yeah. down there in Fayetteville. It really brought to the forefront, especially their defensive issues. They they were absolutely atrocious on defense as the season progressed and it necessitated klein to I think realized it around that time that they got beat by Arkansas. I got to make a move. Obviously, he did not make the move in season to fire his defensive coordinator, one of his longtime friends, and Elisa Tuiaki. But when the season ended, Elisa departed the program. Ed Lamb, some of the other assistants on the defensive side of the football, moved on, and they brought in Jay Hill. He's been uberly successful at the FCS levels, the head coach at Weber State, just a couple hours north of, of BYU. Yeah. But he, came, he has come in, and I was at 10 of the 15 spring practices. We were able to go out there uh, as a media corps and go out and watch. And I've got to say, there's a whole new... New, like kind of like lease on life, especially for BYU's defense under Jay Hill's tutelage. Does that mean it's going to translate right away to the Big 12? Only time will tell, and I don't necessarily expect them to be gangbusters year one here. But I just think simply the kind of the new belief and the new energy defensively for BYU, especially, it's going to give them a better chance, a more, I guess, a better fighting chance year one in the Big 12 than had they gone through last season feeling like we're actually pretty good. I think last season exposed a lot of the cracks in the foundation, and Kalani Sitake has been able to go out and try and repair those as quickly as possible.
2: Yeah, Baylor's the same boat. Matt Powell's new defensive coordinator coming in from Oregon was the co-DC for Aranda for the Sugar Bowl season. Uh or it wasn't co-DC but was on the defensive staff, was co-DC at Oregon last year. But on staff and a, a big reason why Baylor won the Big 12 title, won the Sugar Bowl in the last couple of years and and he's brought energy and new life back into the defense because last season You had guys like Siaki Ika that you thought were going to be world beaters. You were ready for this defense to be dominant because there's so many returners, and then they just weren't. They got torched by a lot of people, and that was the reason Baylor lost a lot of games to the point you fire your D.C., you bring in Matt Palage, and so both these schools in a very similar spot there.
1: Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things we're hearing about the Big 12 and what Brett Yormark's trying to do. It sounds like he wants to kind of change up the status quo with regards to game broadcast. But the bigger one I wanted to ask you about uh, – drake is with regards to uh, potentially playing football and basketball games in mexico now uh this to me i've had byu fans we've had this discussion on locked on cougars is that byu and the lds church have a a pretty large presence in mexico just with church members down there and i i think that i correct me if i'm wrong i think baylor might have a little bit of pull that way as well if, if they were to play south of the border
2: yeah, I mean, look, Texas is right here. There's there's the connection there um and you're seeing success with other other leagues, pro leagues doing this with the NFL going to Mexico with um and with the the major league, major league, league, league baseball. baseball going to Mexico. And to me, why not take this why not take this up? right? You're seeing other leagues, major leagues with massive success doing so. If you're the Big 12 and you become the first college conference to take residency for a game a year, two games a year in Mexico City, that is huge when you can boast that. Now look, it doesn't make you the SEC in recruiting. It doesn't make you the Big 10 with a TV deal, but it still puts you on the map as a conference that's doing something different that that has decided, hey, we are going to commit to being a new poppy, progressive conference in college athletics. We are going to play games in Mexico City. Maybe it flops year one, but we're going to sign a long-term deal. We're going to sign a contract and build this thing up, build a brand in Mexico. I I mean, I I just don't know, Jake. I don't know how many people in Mexico City are fans of Big 12 teams. I'm sure there are a lot more BYU fans there than there are UCF fans. So that bodes well for the Cougars. But if you take that chance and you're able to build something there, I mean, look, I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, if any college team came to our hometown and played in our gym, like, hey, look, uh, you know, there's an NCAA tournament game in Little Rock. So Louisville's coming down to your high school gym to practice. We'd all go out, we watched Louisville, and now who are we rooting for in the tournament? Louisville. So I know there are kids in Mexico City who are going to go watch BYU play Cincinnati in their home city and fall in love With the Big 12, with the sport, with one of those teams because of that. That's just the way that that works. Uh, You know, it's the way that it worked for me watching Louisville at our home gym. Uh, And I'm glad the Big 12 is looking to bring that to a different country.
1: Yeah, they want to go to Mexico City. They also want to go to Monterey. And I, I know a little bit about Monterey because I, I have an affiliation. I work with some RSL broadcast, Real Salt Lake, and Major League Soccer. And they played a, a soccer game. at B, It's a stadio BBVA down there in Monterey, Mexico. And I remember the game they played there, Drake. The only reason I remember it vividly is because they had a – I guess it must be a, a university college team there in Monterey had played a football game just days before Real Salt Lake played a game in that stadium. And they were playing on a field that had hash marks in yard lines still on the field wow. uh, playing soccer. So there is a pretty healthy contingent of football fans, especially NFL. We've seen that with the NFL going to Estadio Azteca down there in Mexico City. I, I'm with you. You, may, It may not kind of be a hit right away, but if, yeah. you, if you continue to do it, eventually there will be people that are going to pay attention to this and they're going to be like, you know what? Maybe I adopt a, a university team in addition, to maybe my NFL team, whether it's the Cowboys or the Arizona Cardinals have a pretty good contingent, uh, San Francisco 49ers and the like. Why not? try and uh, build up a a minor fan base there in mexico for whatever teams they happen to latch on to whether it's baylor in this case for you and i or byu or yeah heck even if it is a houston or a ucf etc give them that opportunity to see these teams both football and especially also basketball as well the opportunity to go out there and show this product south of the border well think about this
2: there are pac 12 teams right now we can dive into this jake that are wondering about the health of their league long-term, the sustainability of their league long-term. And the Big 12 teams, number one, are super stable right now with the addition of these four new schools. Number two, stable enough to the point that your commissioner is looking for other countries to play your sport in because you want to grow the game. That is such a dichotomy from what the Pac-12 is doing right now as teams like Oregon State wonder if they will be a Power 5 school in as little as five years mm-hmm. from your perspective, Jake, it looks like to me, the Pac-12 who keeps pushing, pushing, pushing this TV deal back, their health is in question and teams like Utah, the Arizona schools, the Colorado, as we've heard the murmurs of are going to start shopping for new leagues
1: as things continue to get rocky. Well, they, they absolutely should be looking around. That's the thing about this. You're not doing your job if you're one of these university presidents or an athletic director for, for a Pac-12 school if you're not uh, looking at all options because you're right. They continue to kick the can down the road with regards to those media rights, and they're just over a year out from those media rights expiring, and we keep hearing that it's coming now or there's going to be news on this. Uh, you know what? Whenever it comes, it comes, but until then, this story is going to be, okay, Can the Big 12 potentially pick off one, two, three, four of these schools and bolster what you said is already a pretty stable conference? That's the nice part. BYU fans, I can tell you're ecstatic to be part of a conference that looks like it's going to be stable for at least the entirety of this decade and well on into the future because for so many years, BYU has just kind of played essentially musical chairs, hoping, praying, and just begging for a chance to get at the table here in the Power Five. And it's crazy to think about, but in just about a three-year span, they have gone from not knowing what their future truly is going to be to now being in maybe the most secure conference of of all of them with regards to conference realignment i think i think you hit the nail on the head jake there are people are, they're going to gawk at that
2: they're they're not going to agree the big 12 is the most stable but when you look at it the big 10 they're trying to navigate adding ucla and usc yeah and how to make that work geographically because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Whereas the Big 12, you've got pretty much somebody close to pretty much everybody. You've at least got some semblance of how to make this work geographically. Uh, And BYU and UCF, two of your furthest teams that are out there, both have two of the biggest alumni bases of any university in America. So that works out really well for you. And then the SEC, the SEC, they're calling schools, poaching schools, and trying to figure out how they're going to incorporate schools like Texas and Oklahoma and how those brands fit when teams like Texas AM really don't like that. The Big 12, dude, we're chilling. We're good. Everybody gets along. We know there's sustainability. The Big 12 is, is comfortable as the third league when it comes to TV rights deals and the media rights money that comes with that. Yeah. And that's a good spot to be in when two years ago you were asking without Texas and Oklahoma, can this league even exist?
1: Yeah, and that's the crazy thing about this, just how quickly the table is turned in a way. And we'll see what happens with the Pac-12. I, I, I've got, i got – this is my personal feeling on this, Drake. I think the Pac-12 will survive. I I, I think that for the, for the near term. But who knows? You mentioned the fact that UCLA and USC Man. are trying to get integrated into the, in the Big Ten. Who's to say that the Big Ten, now that they have a new commissioner in place, doesn't try and go out and pick off some more teams to bolster yeah. their West Coast? There, there are so many questions – at play there. But the nice part for the big 12 is even if they don't expand the 12 teams that are going to remain in this conference after next year, they are essentially coalesced around each other. And like you mentioned, they're just chilling. They're just like, okay, yeah, you guys go do your thing. We'll just be over here doing our thing. I love it. I And I like the BYU as a part of that They're yeah. When
2: you think about the best teams, and I'm not, going to toot the BYU horn just because you're here, Jake. But when you think about the teams that were front in line for expansion and didn't get in, the SMUs, Memphis, San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, BYU's such a bigger brand than any of those schools. Um, and I I don't no slight on BYU Athletics. It is the alumni base. It yep. is the reach of BYU. It is the church that is blown up across the world that makes BYU such a massive brand. It's not a national championship in a major sport in the last 20 years where it it, it couldn't be for the Memphises and the SMUs of the world either, but BYU now has the alumni base that brings it, the, the attractive brand that brings it, and Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston all have either big brands big alumni bases and and they're in they're in big cities they're in marketable cities I mean these are pro team areas and then a BYU squad that has a fan base of a professional team I love that the Big 12 got BYU over your Memphis's your SMU's because of what it brings to the fan base of this conference and guys like Josh Neighbors. Yeah. Their views, their, their listens are going up exponentially because Big 12 fans are invested. If Memphis join the league, there's not a lot of Memphis folks who are turning on locked on Big 12. BYU, on the other hand, it's a hungry fan base. They're excited to be here. That's what I love about it. I, I really do hope, Jake, that these two squads get together
1: on a yearly basis. I'll give you just one case in point real quick. So I want to transition and ask you a couple of specific questions about Baylor, but I'll give you a case in point on one thing. We talked about the Mexico thing here, Drake, the Mm. LDS church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints claims north of a million members of the LDS faith in Mexico alone. So i know that not all the necessarily or maybe byu fans but having the affiliation with the sponsoring institution Mm. of brigham young university should give them some i guess uh, familiarity with byu and maybe in essence byu could be more of a mainstay going south of the board just simply due to the fact they could draw a few more eyeballs that way and we'll see it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens i'm excited for that
0: it's kubota orange day shop the years best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles Including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangeDays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangeDays.com. Now, Jake, what do you got, Bagelor wise? I didn't know this was
1: coming. Well, so this is this is my question. I, I had uh, Clark Barrington, who's now uh, st- a starting offensive lineman for the Baylor Bears. Yeah. He was an NIL guy for me this past year. Join me every week here on Locked on Cougars. So I want to love the question to you. Uh, him and his younger brother, uh, Campbell, are both down there. Uh, what I have read slash heard is they've done fairly well. Both of them are in position potentially to start this fall. What has been your perception of the Barrington brothers?
2: I'd be shocked if they, if they don't start every game. Uh, Both of them should start every game for Baylor next season. That was an area where the Bears were really disappointing last season. Some metrics still liked what the offensive line did. I think it was PFF. If you're a PFF believer out there, I have become – I was and I'm not anymore because I've just – Game in and game out, it was wow. What a senior laden NFL ready offensive line that just looks terrible. They were <laughs> not good a lot sure. last season. Yeah. So Baylor said, okay, we'll, we'll go to the transfer portal and fix that. The Barrington Bros have been huge, integral in building the offensive line back up. The spring game, that was one of the top two or three takeaways for me. The O line looked a lot better because those two guys uh, are gonna be, they're gonna be a force. And and we really needed that out of the portal, um, basically reconstructing the O-line. So Richard Reese was dominant for Baylor last season, expects to have a big year again next year. Dominic Richardson, a transfer out of Oklahoma State. Those two guys, two-headed running game that could really make some noise in this league. But they got to have a good O-line to do it, and the Barrington bros are a big part of that. Thank you, Jake, for that gift. Welcome well, to the Big 12. We'll take two of your offensive linemen.
1: Well, uh, BYU, I I think that they they miss the Barrington brothers and they'll be wishing them well. That's one thing is both of them were were beloved. But there's another guy down there. You already mentioned him earlier on in today's show, uh, Jeff Grimes. Obviously, you mentioned the fact that he was integral to getting BYU to kind of where they're at today, especially offensively. Uh, How are things going for the Grime Dog as we call him up here down there in Waco?
2: Oh, grimy man. So um, this is awesome. My little sister is dating Jeff's son. Uh, what? And so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I've gotten to know, um, Jeff and his family really, really well. Um, okay. Jeff and Sherry, and they're great. I mean, they're, they're just, they're good people. Uh, was at an event with him probably a week and a half ago. And, and he is just one of the, um, when it comes to faith and family, one of the most steadfast guys coaches that I've ever been around. And brings that, brings that energy to practice every day. Bringing the wide zone to Baylor, too. Something that wasn't as popular in the Big 12 was huge in year one for him. And helping the Bears win the Sugar Bowl uh, and a Big 12 championship. Last season, I struggled with Blake Shapin at QB and a lot of young wide receivers. Going into this season, there are still a lot of question marks there around Shapin and what the quarterback room looks like. But for Jeff, I mean, he is he has squarely put himself in a spot after two of his last three years being as successful as they were to become a power five head coach after this season. I, um, his son graduates high school this year. And I know that was a big thing. Keeping him at Baylor was, you know, again, family, he's huge on faith and family. And he wanted his son to graduate from the high school where where he resides. And, I know that's the case, um, and if the right offer comes, I, I truly think he deserves, I'll say this is not Jeff's words, it's in my words, he deserves a Power 5 head coaching job soon, and he's going to get one.
1: Well, I, I can offer a little insight into that, because when he came to BYU, I had a person tell me, and they were spot on with this. So his son, just older than the son that you see, so you, the son just older than I think his game is yep. Garrison. He yeah. was going into high school when he arrived at BYU and he went to a high school here locally here in Utah. And I was told by somebody on that staff that Jeff Crimes has a three-year plan. And the reason why he has a three-year plan is because his son is going to graduate from high school here yep. in Utah. And then at that point, Jeff will reevaluate what he's going to do, whether he's going to re-up with BYU for another three years for his younger son to finish high school there or jump elsewhere. Well, three years came and went, his son graduates, and guess what happens? He gets the chance to go be the offensive coordinator in Waco with Baylor Bears and plays Played out that way, and it sure looks like that may be repeating itself with uh, Baylor looking like it.
2: I think so. And his kid, his kid's young. So Graydon has two state championship rings at China Ah. Spring High School here. So that has been a big, like he's really enjoyed his time uh, just outside of Waco playing for the Cougars. Uh, And I I do radio for their their every Friday night for those. So it's kind of all in the family thing uh, for us here at Locked On Baylor and the Grimes. But they've they've really enjoyed their time in China Spring and here at Baylor. But uh, again, not his words, not even close to him. And I wouldn't even ask him out of respect to them relationship-wise. Uh,
1: but for, in my opinion, this will be it for him at Baylor. It sure looks like it. Well, Drake, anything else you feel like BYU fans need to know, or anything you want to know from me on the BYU side of things? Oh, Jake, my one question: Are you okay. ready for this? That's it. That's no
2: no no context. Nothing else. Just are you ready for this? I am ready. Let's go. I love it. I um, I'm excited to have BYU, Jake, and I, I really am glad to hear that your fans are
1: excited to have us. Yeah, well, that's the thing about this. I think BYU fans are just ecstatic. They spent 12 years in independence. They played 155 games as an independent football program. We've been recapping those game by game here on Locked on Cougars. And it's kind of funny to go back through that history and how many of the games kind of got kind of, in a way, swept under the rug because they were kind of out of sight, out of mind after the fact you played the game. The nice part is for a program like Baylor, the last two years that BYU played them, Drake, BYU fans knew that that was going to be a relationship that was being built with a future conference mate. And yeah, as we already discussed, it's it's sad they're not going to be playing that game annually, but maybe down the road, uh, they'll get back together and hopefully it'll be a, a pretty much an annual deal moving forward.
2: I think so, Jake. Always a pleasure to talk to you,
1: man. And I can't wait to have this relationship in the future. Absolutely. So, uh, for Drake, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning into this crossover edition of Locked On Cougars and Locked On Baylor. And thank you for being an everydayer with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow.
0: The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate
2: your bracket. So don't wait.